honestly, everyone's body is different and everyone's recovery is different. So there's no perfect timing. And whenever it happens for you is exactly right. Make your story right. Like that's important. Welcome back to Let's Thrive, the podcast. Excuse any background noise in this brief intro, but my patio doors are open, my balcony doors are open, and the cats are just laying out there like sweet little angel babies, and I don't want to disturb them, so all of the outside noises and disturbances will probably be in this intro. But it is a sacrifice I and we will all make so that the sweet baby angel cats can stay outside. Cat lovers, you will understand, never disturb a peaceful cat that is not disturbing you. You know, basic science right there. Aside from that brief chaotic little spurt there, thank you, thank you for tuning in today to the podcast. Let's thrive. Here we are. Today we have an amazing conversation with the phenomenal Kate Noel. Now I have followed her for quite some time now. I can't remember who spurred me to check out her account when that was all i know is that i love her content i love her voice i love the words she shares and oh my god that background traffic is getting loud but i am excited because in today's episode with kate we discuss a plethora of topics from recovery to body image to losing your period gaining your period back gaining weight relationships and recovery, mental health, mindsets, whatever it may be, we really just hit start recording and went with the wind. I'm so excited for y'all to listen and just get a peek not only into Kate's life and her journey, but also into her advice and mindsets and tools to help all of us, hopefully on this wild journey towards recovery or even just towards more body acceptance, food freedom, whatever it may be. So give it a listen, let us know your thoughts, and I'll link both of our accounts down below if you'd like to send a message, share, whatever your heart feels pulled to do. Without further ado, let's begin. And I am just really enjoying this stage of my life because I, because I'm a coach now, I used to be a model and I still am a model, but the type of modeling I used to do was called fit modeling. And I no longer really do that anymore. And that has really elevated my life by letting that go. And in a lot of ways, like mental, physical, spiritual healing, which sounds really dramatic, but it's true. So because I let that go, I feel this renewed sense of freedom. It almost feels like like I've fully recovered from my eating disorder, but this stage of my life feels like true self-discovery outside of food and body entirely. Um, so I just feel really free and happy and enjoying going with the flow. I love that. And what, what it made me think of is my personal experience as well. Uh, when it comes to the process of recovering and recovery, I feel like there's almost two like major stages in which the first is when you're just truly trying to find like quote unquote normal-esque life where you're not, you know, 24 seven obsessing over food, you know, your body, whatever it is. And you're sort of like easing into just like 
what a general sense of like living life and eating food and all that is. And then the second part is this like deep self-discovery that I think a lot of us do experience in this, you know, field where you're just, it is that like mental, emotional, you know, physical, spiritual, all the things of discovering like who you really are outside of like all the turmoil and struggles you've gone through. So I think that's really interesting. And I'm curious, like you, you are just one of my favorite, I I think of you as like a content creator, like a advocate and inspiration when it does come to the recovery realm. So when did that journey begin for you? Like, I know, I think you've probably, I feel like our journeys were a similar length of time, but when was that sort of like, oh shit moment or few moments in which you're like, I need to make a change because I've just spent X amount of years in this way of living and I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. I I think it was a buildup, you know, of just the consequences of the eating disorder, the reality of it, the daily struggles of it getting more and more like unbearable, honestly. And finally being like, I need to listen to this. I need to listen to my symptoms. I need to listen to my mind. I need to do something about it. So I had gotten married and I had, I was modeling, was doing really well. I mean, I wasn't doing well. I was doing well on the surface. I was like booking a lot of great jobs, I guess, so to speak. But that's about the only thing I felt like I was good at. I mean, I felt like I, and even in that world, like I would, wake up in the morning, I would restrict while before the day before the week before I had a job, which was every week. So I was just constantly in this, like, I have to restrict for this day. I have to be this person. I have this financial component. And then on the day of, I would, you know, get back home from a long day of set. And I would just like binge eat and just feel that shame. And it was really a bad cycle. So Yeah, I just realized through a few interesting situations through actually through my agent, my old agent, which is interesting, but she had called me after I took digitals and they said that they were really worried about how I looked. And it was weird because just probably six months before that, maybe a year before that, they had told me they were giving me this wild advice, like you know, maybe you should start walking more. Maybe you should cut out carbs. Maybe you should take a probiotic. I'm like, who are these people? Like, how do they think body shape and size works? Like taking a probiotic? I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, um, they were like, now we're worried about you. So I felt weird about, I just felt like, wow, these people are telling me how to live my life and what to do. And so I just kind of realized that I was over it. And it wasn't really like a, it wasn't really this time or the sign or anything. It was just like an internal gut feeling. I think I was, I remember I was driving and I just started crying. I didn't have my period as well. So mm-hmm. I thought, I think, I know that's a problem. I always wanted to have my period. And it was, it, it was always an interesting relationship I had with my hormones and my cycle, well, lack of cycle. So that was really a catalyst to where I started. And then I ended up going to Bali, which is another wild thing. I actually won this retreat spot, like a spot in the retreat. And I went, I was like, yes, I would love to go because I remember feeling like perfect timing. Like I was, this is when I was about 
nine or 10 months into my like journey of recovery. So I ended up going, I got my period back in Bali, which is so cool. And then I remember telling somebody, one of my friends I met on the retreat, I think I want to share about this. And she said, you should go for it. So that's really why I started sharing on social media. (laughs) Oh, damn. Okay. And so when was this like in your early twenties, were you like in college at this time or not? Well, no, I was, I was not in college when I was started my recovery. Um, I think I was 22. I actually dropped out of college um, after two years of going when I moved to LA, but I wasn't in college and now I'm 27. So yeah, but I had my eating disorder since I, you know, was like 14 or something. It was like that time of your life, you know, when everything's changing. (laughs) Yeah, no, truly. I feel like that's crisis mode. Um, But yeah, so you definitely had that like it was like, so around like 22 is when you were doing like ball, like the modeling and then Bali eventually. And then you're like, sort of like easing into like what recovery is and wanting to make change and everything like that. And that's so interesting about your, like the agent thing too, because I, I don't know, it's just funny how sometimes like the words of others can really get through to us in either a great or not so great way, you know, and whether their intention is aligned or not like it's I don't know I think sometimes you need that like external voice in either a quote-unquote good or bad way to like break the flurry of thoughts you know kind of in our own mind Uh, but I am curious you mentioned that you were married or with your you know boyfriend fiance significant other whatever they were to you at that time how was that relationship with all of this going on too because I'm currently single af and you know even when I do date occasionally, I'm just like, this is so, this would be so complicated when I was in the depths of my like ED. And even now, as I'm still recovering, there are so many moments that come up where I'm just like, I don't even know how to handle this with somebody else. So I'm just curious, like, what was that like for you? I, I don't know. I just, I don't know how I would do it. (laughs) I don't know how I did it. I don't know how he did it. My husband, (laughs) no, he's, he's great, but yeah, I don't know. I I don't, I, I think it's kind of not, I can't really give a recommendation of like, this is a good idea or this is a bad idea, but you know, obviously everyone's journey is their own journey, but yeah. I mean, I met my husband when I was really not doing well and I was hiding my eating disorder from him. So I was lying to him about my behaviors and my mental health and and I was really making a lot of excuses and manipulating him in a way of like, I remember doing behaviors that were maybe less alarming in front of him, like restricting. I mean, restricting is alarming, but it's obviously different. Yeah. It's kind of normalized in society. So, 100%. you know, telling him like, oh, I can't eat that because that like makes my stomach hurt. And I'm like, I'm lactose intolerant. So I have to, you know, so all those like little, little things Um, and yeah, so he didn't, you know, he, he believed me, he trusted me. (laughs) So through my marriage, you know, I got married when I was not well and it's like life, my life was really happy. You know, I had a really good, happy life and I felt, I was like very lucky and privileged and had, I had a lot of room for hope. So I think there's just this darkness that was so inside of me 
that I would slowly start to tell him, I would slowly open up. Like I was actually desperate on the inside, but I was so scared to talk to anyone, let alone the person who lives with me and eats with me and knows me the most. So I would just tell him in doses that I could handle it while maintaining some of my eating disorder. So I'd say six months later, like, oh, I have to tell you that I'm still doing this restricting, or I have to tell you that like I purged or I have to like, so it was this almost like a, a release. Like I have to tell him, but it was, it wasn't like I was telling him because I wanted to recover fully. And there was still that part of me. Anyways, I ended up fully telling him everything. And throughout this time, you know, recovery is such a, you're getting to know yourself for the first time or again, and that you haven't, you haven't known yourself in a long time. So I guess it was just a very emotional time, high emotions, a lot of fighting, a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of like trust issues. Cause like I said, I was not being honest with him or myself. Mm -hmm. So it's weird how the eating disorder kind of manifests itself in parts of your life that don't even have anything to do with food or body in a way, you know, it's like, or at least you don't think they do. So I really feel like a different person now. And it's nice. It's fun to feel strong and to feel like you're not the one. I always felt like I was the one in the relationship that wasn't okay. You know, I'm not okay. And now it's just not like that. That's not the dynamic that exists. So it's very fun, very liberating. (laughs) Yeah. That's a neat perspective. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're, you're right. Like if you're the one that that would be a heavy weight to carry, you know, thinking like you have, or knowing that you have these like secrets and things you're not sharing and that you're not being truthful. And maybe even the wondering of like, what would they think or what would they do if they knew, or how would they treat me? Or, you know what I mean? Like I, I can only imagine the pressure that would kind of build internally until, yeah, maybe it did like come to the point where there was disagreements or anything like that. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, it's so fascinating to me to see how, as you said, like these different, like different conditions, whether it's an eating disorder, depression, anxiety, whatever it is manifest in so many different areas of your life, whether you're realizing that's like the root cause or not. And I I saw this quote the other day and it said, the problem with communication is that we listen to reply and not to understand. I was like, oof, yes. Mm. And also like, how true is that for even communication with ourselves and our bodies? And you said a bit ago how you started to learn to listen to your body and to yourself. And I think this entire conversation can be really related to that in which so often, right? Like we I don't know, we are kind of like listening to our body in a way to just react in the moment or to just give like a momentary reply, you know, like after those long shoot days when maybe you weren't eating quite enough, your reaction, your quick reply was to eat, you know, and maybe that led to a binge or whatever it was versus like listening to really understand the root cause of what was causing this issue and turmoil in your body. And I don't know. I think sometimes like even the way we phrase things to others, we are just giving them snippets of what's happening so that they can reply. And it's a conversation, but we're not really like, I don't know, providing the information or giving them the space or they're not, you know, listening exactly to understand like what we're really trying to say. And I don't know, just like this conversation on, you know, recovery and body image and 
having it happen in a relationship with somebody else really got me thinking about that and just I don't know how true it kind of feels for me as well but I love that yeah like it's never too late to like if you are in a relationship already or if you're dating like the foundation of being yourself I think has to be there or you will run into problems so if you're being somebody else for somebody else, or if you're being somebody else for yourself, that's something that inevitably you're going to have to deal with. And so I think setting that up early on. So if you are in a place where you're like single AF, like you, like, and finding yourself, like find yourself, you know, do it, like actually do it. And that's like really exciting to be in that space of, you know, working on your own, you know, healing and stuff without, of course, it's nice to have support. My husband's very supportive. I don't know. You know, I, I can't imagine how my recovery would have been without him. I, I know I would have be, been able to do it, but he's super supportive. I mean, he's like, you can watch my old YouTube videos and he's like doing the challenges with me. And I'm like, blessed to have an intuitive eater as a husband. Truly. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's my biggest thing right now. I'm like, how great would it be to just have that like figure in your life? I mean, I think when I lived at home, I always thought of my brother as that way because he was such an intuitive eater. And then, you know, a few times when I've like stayed with friends or family trips, whatever it is. And it's always like such a mindset shift to be like actively living and eating with people that are just like intuitive. They haven't struggled with this in this way. And it's just always so like, I don't know. I always makes me pause. I'm like, wow, that could be me. That will be me. You know, but I am curious. So I want to go back. We were talking a bit about your modeling and you still do it now. And obviously things have shifted and I'm like, you know, you've kind of found the the space in that industry that works for you, but how has that been when it comes to body image in recovery? Because I know for me, that's been one of the hardest parts, right? Like it, I've been, you know, over a lot of the major aspects of my ED for a while, or they hardly come up anymore. But body image has been like the one that I'm just still struggling to really work on. And I don't know, it's hard enough for me to like, you know, in the everyday or when I'm taking photos for Instagram or whatever it is, but how has modeling played a part, right? I'm sure it's probably had some downsides and some upsides ways that it's helped um but I'm just curious to hear like what that's been like for you to do that through recovery to still do it today and yeah just just your thoughts on it okay body image is such a it's it's a it's it's one of those that many of us struggle with it's like very challenging so I'm with you I'm actually it's actually kind of amazing how long the body image healing really takes like you almost think you're pretty much healed from it and then like I keep experiencing waves of finding myself actually like loving my body some days and I'm like hold on I didn't know that was possible so yeah it's a journey but yeah modeling so I I think my modeling career started off as very much fear-based, like all everything I was doing for it was out of fear, which is a big no-no in my book. You know, doing something out of fear isn't really always the best, especially something like a career. So 
Yeah. I mean, I got scouted and I felt like it was very opportunistic and my eating disorder really saw that as opportunistic and modeling. So I had my eating disorder, like I mentioned, you know, 14, 15, 16, all the way up till I was, you know, in my early twenties and throughout, throughout that entire time, I wanted to be thin. That was the goal. That was my eating disorder body goal, but I struggled with restricting because I struggled with binging. I struggled with bulimia. I struggled with laxative and purging. So I honestly never felt like like you can look back at pictures of me and I was really, really swollen. And I wasn't, I felt like my eating disorder wasn't really working for me because, but I didn't know another way. So essentially the modeling piece came in and that gave me this weird push, my eating disorder, gave my eating disorder push to like finally get this body, like finally make this eating disorder worth it, which sounds awful, but that's, that was what I was. And so that's what happened. You know, I really was like, now this is serious. Like, this is my adult version of my eating disorder. This is what I, this is the marathon. So that's what happened. And it really fueled me in a really different way, like my eating disorder in a different way, but I hated being on set. I mean, I hated going in for my agents. I hated getting pictures taken of myself. I never liked the pictures I, I took of myself. I had my just nothing felt right. I was constantly dizzy. I had panic attacks. I had like a lot of physical symptoms that weren't very nice, like weird things like my skin. I'd always have like rashes on my skin and my immune system was low. I was always sick. So I wasn't happy at all. I really wasn't. And um, so I started with a new agent. I, I got a new agent in my recovery and I, I, sh- I really feel like I should have taken a break in my recovery. I don't recommend being in recovery and still modeling because my body was changing. I was weight restoring and I was like, I don't know what's going on. I had uh, two different agents deny me. Like I, you know, this is before I found my current agent. I don't know. It was, it was a journey for sure. And, um, but it was weird because I was actually booking better jobs not necessarily financially better jobs, but I was booking, I was still booking jobs, which I was shocked about. I mean, like, I I was like, really, you want me like this? You know, this is weird, but I was booking jobs where the energy on set was so much better. People were nice to each other. There was diversity. People were eating lunch, actually eating. It just was a totally different experience. So that was really cool to be able to see both sides of it. That is neat. Yeah. And I can almost imagine that kind of like you said almost like a shock factor of like you want me or like I'm I'm here like that also has to be like a bit of a sort of like boost of like oh like I can still do this right like I'm like these people are still seeing me and I'm still here and I can still do what I love to do and it's different but I'm still here like I can imagine that's a neat feeling to experience and I don't know. I think that's almost like the same as or similar to when you have people in your life that you're kind of afraid to like let in on that journey, you know, and then you let them in and they stick with you through it. And you're like, oh, wow, you, you still love me. (laughs) You still want to, you know, be with me. Like, that's amazing. And so I think it's, it can be important to, as you said, you know, take breaks when needed, but whether it's an activity or a person or an experience, like, I don't know if you're almost able to like, 
find a way to inter, you know, kind of, I don't know, weave it into your recovery or have aspects of it carry throughout. Like it can be neat to see the growth happen like along the way of it, you know, with something just besides yourself. So that's really yeah. cool. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I I agree. Guess, yeah. And like, I mean, nowadays, like if, like you said, it kind of can come in waves for you and I feel very similarly where I'm just like, I don't know, I'll have the wave of, I feel great in my body. This is like, you know, look at me go here we are. And then just like quickly tapers off and I get back into like a low, just not okay with my body image kind of wave and time of being. And I'm just curious, like if, if that happens to you or when it does, like, have you found anything that helps you? I know nothing's, you know, a quick fix, but have there been any things in particular that just sort of help you on those days or times, whatever they may be? Yes, there are. So something I do with my clients a lot and something I, I, when I do this with my clients, it's a lot more in depth. So this is like a very, you know, intro. Yeah. Intro. But something that I, I like to do is be really honest about how I feel or how you feel. And so say it like saying your fears and then being honest with how you feel about them. That's like step one, I would say. So this is an example and I'll go back to my recovery. I do not like my stomach growing like this. I am afraid it's going to continue growing for the rest of my life. And I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. Okay. That's me being like very honest about how I feel. And then my fears of, I believe it's going to just keep growing, whatever you can keep going with that. But I, I would say, stay with like in the realm of I'm talking about my stomach, you know, so staying in that realm. And then after that, I would say, really give yourself a, a choice. Say, I don't like my stomach growing, but I'd rather be living my life, eating, being able to eat all the food, choosing recovery, hanging with my friends. Like I'd rather be doing all these things than living the life I was living before. That didn't make me happy. So just being like making that choice even though I don't like it, I'm making this choice. And then kind of the next step is identifying how you actually want to feel. So I feel what I, what I want to feel is confident. What I want to feel is like sexy. I want to feel good and tying it back to the stomach to like my stomach growing my stomach is growing and it makes me uncomfortable. But what I really want to feel aside from the way my stomach looks at all, I just want to feel confident and sexy. And then you can say to yourself, how can I feel confident and sexy now? So you identify like what you actually want to feel. And then how can you feel that now outside of how your stomach looks? So I feel confident when I you know, do my hair or I feel confident when I take a really relaxing, nice shower, or I call a friend and talk to them. Like those are little, obviously like you're not going to feel hundred percent confident maybe, or maybe you feel 1% confident, but at least you are acknowledging that you can cultivate whatever you want to feel now with your stomach being the way it is my stomach being the way it is. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. And I, I really love that because I think it is, like you said, it's, it's just like one step forward, you know, like I, 
I, I don't think I've like thought of it exactly that way, but I, I like that framing of it because I know for me, it's always comes down to a question of like, I'm not happy with, yeah, with my stomach right now. And I'm not happy with X, Y, Z about myself, but I wasn't happy with that two, three, four years ago. And I was unhappy in my mind and emotional and physical self. So at least now, you know, like you said, I'm happy that I get to eat the foods I enjoy and I'm happy that I get to do X, Y, Z. And, you know, yeah, I'm still not that great with this aspect of my body, but at least I have this. And I like that idea about then kind of like figuring out what is, yeah, that like 1% forward or one step forward that you can take to cultivate more of that feeling that you actually want to experience. Right. And I don't know, I think that could also come into even just, you know, who you surround yourself with and the media you take in. Like I try to remind myself of that as well, where I'm like, why can't I feel confident and sexy with my stomach and my body the way it is now? Like, why do I only think I can feel that way and be that way in a smaller body when I look up to so many people in my similar body shape and body shapes different from mine? And I think that they're absolutely stunning and beautiful and confident and sexy. You know what I mean? Like, it's like we think that way for others, but not for ourselves. Like, we don't give ourselves the grace and compassion and the admiration that we have for others that are in a variety of different body shapes from us. So that's always interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I think like really believing that you will be more happy, more successful, more grounded, whatever you want to feel when you are truly living authentically. And that means like having the body that your body wants you to have, mm-hmm. which is hard to believe, but trust me, anecdotally, trust me, it works. (laughs) Eventually it works. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I feel like that was another big, like, uh, realization for me in recovery as well is just understanding that our bodies have like a set point or a set range, at least that it feels most comfortable in. And I'm sure you probably realize that with your experience with, now I might butcher it, but hypo, I can't even say it. Hypothalamic. Yeah. I suffer from it myself. And yet I still have yet to be able to say it over the years. Um, I don't know. I know for me though, that was like a big point getting my period back and restoring some systems in my body was letting my body sort of get to that weight it felt comfortable at. So I don't know. I'm sure like with your experience with that, um, if you have anything you want to share on that, I know that was a big part for you as well. Cause as you mentioned earlier, you wanted to get your period back Um, And he did, but I'm sure that was a journey in itself as well. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Um, Yay. Getting your period back. Yay. Um, It's like, I think it's this like missing energy that I was craving. And like, I literally started my period this morning and I'm like, Ooh, this hurts. Like, I don't feel good. My back hurts. I'm cramping. My boobs hurt. But for some reason, we still want that energy. (laughs) We still want it, you know, mostly all the other times of the month. Well worth it. And I mean, it is worth it to have even the cramps, but anyways, yeah, I just, I just was not, I was just way too much in a stress response throughout my whole puberty and teenage years and into my early adult years that, you know, through restriction, through over-exercise, through distress, through everything I was putting my body through, I just wasn't ovulating. And so it took me about 
I think it took me about 10 months to get my cycle back. I mean, I was really, everyone asks like, when am I going to get my cycle back? And it can be months. It can be years. It really depends on how stressed out your body is. And just honestly, everyone's body is different and everyone's recovery is different. So there's no perfect timing. And whenever it happens for you is exactly right. Make your story right. Like that's important. I just really, like, I don't even know if I want, I mean, I think I want kids someday. It wasn't even about like, I want a family someday. It was just about, like I said, that, that energy of that, like feminine energy, you know, anyone who menstruates, everyone in the world has feminine and masculine energy, but I was really missing that piece of my own puzzle. So, I mean, I remember reading the book, no period. Now what that really helped me a lot, just scientifically. Like I was like, wow, this is really interesting. Um, I didn't necessarily follow the rules. Like there's a, there's some like numbers and I was not calorie counting anymore. So I didn't do that. Um, I just was trying to eat eat all the foods I could and really nourishing and learning about what I like, what I don't like. Isn't it interesting when you like start recovery? I don't know what your recovery exactly was like, but introducing new foods, you realize like, why was I eating like peanut butter powder and like all those things? I just like, why was I doing that? hundred oh, percent. Um, I think back on some of my old meals and I'm just like, what the, what the fuck was I doing? I How did my body live off of that? And then I see somebody else use it and I get like, <laughs> I get like internal anger about like, no, you don't no, need no. that. You deserve better. And I don't, I don't like say that to them, of course, respecting boundaries, but yeah, I, I feel you. I think yeah. that I'm like, oof. Yeah. I, I remember like baking quest bars and like eating them like desserts. And then nowadays I'm like, don't even, don't even, I don't even try Yeah. Um, that. So anyways, yeah, it was just a really interesting journey. I had no idea that I ovulated when I did because when I had got my first period, when I got my period in Bali, I literally did not believe that I was going to have my period, get my period back because I started my period very late. I was an athlete and then I just got on the pill. So I just had like no real idea mm-hmm. of where I was. And I had like two periods in my life that were maybe three natural periods. And then two of them were in college and I was taking progesterone because I was seeing this like holistic doctor who didn't know about my eating disorder. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) So, you know, I like forced my body. I was taking like all these adrenal supplements and all these, this progesterone. So somehow I I had a period then, but yeah, I didn't know I was going to get it back. And then when I got it back, I was, I was crying. I was so happy. I called my mom. I got a massage. I couldn't go on the excursion that day in Bali because we were going to a temple and in Bali, like if you're on your period, you can't go to this temple. And I was like, happy oh. to stay back. I was like, I'll stay back. I'll stay back. I don't care. Cause it was so, it was like me and this other girl. And she was like, isn't it so annoying we're on our periods? And I was like, I'm so excited. It's <laughs> like, do you have any tampons? You know, I was just like really into it. Um, so yeah, yeah. That was my experience. it was a good one. That's so, yeah. I just, it's crazy how, I don't know. I went, I was also, I got my period late and then I got it once. And then it just like stuff kept happening in my life that I think kept putting me in that like stress induced. I'm not, you know, like, and then eventually just turned into probably like full-blown HA for like years. And I remember when mine finally came back, it was last year. And just like, 
disbelief. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It just gets to the point where it's so out of your control in a way, like you can do a lot to help, right? Like feed your body, all these things. But at the end of the day, like you can't like, I don't know. It's like just this system and process that happens and you can't like push any button or take any one pill or do whatever you want to like get it back. You just have to truly like keep going and keep trying and just like hope. And then when it happens, it's just like, I don't know. It is like a really neat feeling. And that's so magical. It was in Bali too. Like what a, what a special freaking trip for that. Oh my God. I know. Truly. (laughs) I love that. Uh, Um, well, and I mean, yeah, on that note, I wanted to say, I love when it comes to your Instagram, like your food freedom, like share moments. Cause when you mentioned the peanut butter powder, that made me think of it. But like, I, I feel like that's something I still struggle with like certain things. I don't know. And it, I don't realize it till they come up and I'm like, oof, this is a food fear. How will I work through it? And the other day you shared one and it was, you didn't have any like milk in your house. So you used ice cream for your coffee creamer. I was like, that is such a, just like, I just loved it. Like it just made me smile for some reason, because I was just like, this is such a prime example of like, you do what you got to do, like overcoming food fears, like just living in the moment, like enjoying life. And I just, I don't know. I just love how you do that. But I'm curious, like, I don't know how, how has that been for you? Like overcoming food fears? Do you feel like you're in a good place with it now? I I'm just, it's something I still am, you know, like every day kind of trying to work through in little ways. So I'd love to hear just your thoughts on it. I'm glad that made you smile. It made me smile too. I did it. (laughs) It was funny because I actually didn't even think about it. Like I did it I got the ice cream out and I put it in my coffee. And then I was like, took a sip of it. And I was like, what the hell? This is so cool. I just like, you know what I mean? Those like little moments where it kind of catches up with you, but yes. So I definitely experienced like quasi recovery and even like, I would say not quasi recovery, but still feeling this shadow when it came to certain foods. I was very, I used to be very into like nut milks and seeds and, um, I don't know. I think what happened. So I've been on a digestive healing journey as well, but at this point, my digestion is amazing. I feel so lucky that it's been healed. And the thing that's healed my digestion the most has been truly eating enough food and eating the versions of the foods that I truly want. Mm -hmm. Um, so like switching over to like real milk really helped me. I mean, you don't have to drink real milk to have food freedom, but switching over to real milk really helped me. And I think I like to think of it on a metabolic, if you're like a sciencey type of person, like metabolically, we, every time we restrict, every time we have that toxic belief that like, I don't deserve this food, or I can't trust that my body will metabolize this food in a way that is good. Um, whenever we are in that mindset, like we're putting ourselves in a stress response, we're putting ourselves in this and in a stress response, we can't, you know, assimilate foods properly. Our appetite regulation is messed up. Um, we actually like can essentially put on weight if we're in a stress response, which isn't a bad thing, but I think that can be a driver for a lot of people to really experience food freedom and actually give themselves like putting yourself in the least stressful scenario mentally is is and physically. So metabolically, I understand now that 
my, my metabolism is only able to function and all the functions of my body are able to work together. If my metabolism is healthy and for that to happen, I have to eat a lot of food, a lot more food than I think all of us think we should be eating is in this space. Like we think we should be, we think that this isn't, this is enough food. And it's honestly, probably not like I'm not really anymore, but in the early stages of my recovery, I was pretty shocked as to how big my meals were compared to what they used to be. So I guess I look at all foods now and just think like metabolically supportive, like this is metabolically supportive for me. And those little choices of choosing the food freedom versus choosing to restrict or choosing the option that's like more diety, that energy doesn't go away. Like restricting or dieting instead of eating the food that you actually want, it doesn't go away. It only will just come back or it'll just stay in your mind. You can't just like, bye. So I think that was important for me to realize too, like this is going to come back in some way, either the next day or maybe the next week or whatever it is. Um, also, I think like the more you do it, the easier it is, honestly, just like time and continuing to try that food and then seeing that your body does metabolize it and it, you can trust that it's going to be okay. That's something that helped me as well. I really like that mindset with it because I, yeah, I think that that bit right there is probably like the most important thing that I've started to realize. And then I'm really trying to dive into, right. Is like how, I don't know, just like looking at it less about what the food is and how you're, how you are like mentally reacting to it. As you said, like if you're eating a big bowl of greens and the entire time, you know, like you're just thinking like, this is what you should be eating, whatever it is, like the difference between how your body's metabolizing something when you have this sort of like negative energy, or, you know, it's not what you truly want, or you're eating it because you think you should, whatever it is versus like just having that like relaxed, you know, you're breathing deeply, you know, like you're just present and you're eating and enjoying the food, like the difference between your body taking it in. Like, I I think that is so important. And I also want to highlight what you said about just realizing that these little decisions you make do kind of like set you up for more of those decisions as they come along. And the more you do it and the more you decide to face the fear food or to try something different or try something new or just to give it a shot, the more likely you are to continue, you know, kind of swinging towards that direction as those decisions come up in the future. And I, I think that's what I try to remember is that, you know, these things will, these little tests will continue to come up for me. And the more I can sort of challenge myself to take the road less traveled, you know, for me personally, which is to try the new food or whatever it is, like the easier it will be to just keep doing that until eventually like they're not tests anymore. And instead they're just intuitive decisions that I don't even have to think about. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm looking forward to that. And I think that realizing that has been like huge for me and probably could help a lot of people. So I love, 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 love how you phrase that. Thank you. Yeah. And I also want to add to the body wants balance. It wants nourishment. It wants movement. Like you, you, you can trust your body, even though it feels like in recovery, you can't because your body is like saying it wants this, it wants this, it wants this, it like doesn't want to move. It just wants food, whatever. But that that's temporary. Like that temporary process of recovery 
is going to end and you will find balance. But like I mentioned, you have to go through that sort of like reclaiming all the lost energy, reclaiming all the no's, turning them into yeses. And every time you do that, you're getting to a place where your body is more trusting, more trusting until you can actually live a life of freedom. Like eating disorders are forever. If you choose to have an eating disorder, like you're not going to find happiness. Whereas in recovery, like you at least know that you'll get to another side. Mm-hmm. It's just like temporary struggle. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which if you think about that compared to like lifelong struggle, if you say in it, like perspective shift there, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, it is. I think you mentioned this earlier, but it is about like getting to know yourself. And I think that is part of it, right? Like you, you let yourself try the foods, you let yourself not do any exercise or movement. You let yourself do whatever it is. And then eventually like the time comes when you're then in a place physically, mentally, emotionally well enough to really just know like what feels best for you and what you truly like and what you truly don't like. And then like you do find your sort of balance in between and, you know, things always come up, but I feel like that's, yeah, that's where things get a bit more smooth sailing. So Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, to wrap things up here, would you just mind sharing? I know you're doing, like you said before, you have your coaching and I personally just love your podcast and Instagram. They always just give me like, I don't know, just a bout of inspiration or something to think about. And so I truly love that. But where can people find you, learn more, follow along the journey and all that fun? Thank you so much. That's so sweet. I really appreciate that a lot. And I'm really happy to be here. So thank you for having me on again. Um, Yeah, my website's katenoelwellness.com and you can learn more about coaching uh, if you'd like. And there's a sign up form. There's like a little wait list, but I don't know. I do these like free discovery calls where you can just connect and they're really fun. And then I'm at katenoel underscore underscore on Instagram. There's too many katenoels. And so a couple underscores and then I have a podcast called Take the Cake with Kate Noel. I'll have Emily on soon. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I love this. <laughs> Thank you. Bye.